0: My
1: spirit. I was born to you. you are a spectre from the gods. Walk with me. Alright, you're listening to Wait You Were Mormon with Devin Brown. I'm your host, Devin Brown. And for episode 14, we've got the lovely Christy Johnson. She opens up about her mission to Chicago in the 80s and some of the trials she experienced at that time. She opens up about abuses she faced over the years from seemingly faithful priesthood holders. She talks about the stigma of never having been married in the temple and being a young single mother and much, much more. Again, if you enjoy what you're hearing, please share one of your favorite episodes with a family member or friend. And if you want to keep track with all things wait, you were Mormon, be sure to check out www. Wait, you, were Mormon.com. you can find all of the episodes there, and of course, you can access all of the social media links. All right, thank you guys for your listening and support, and please enjoy. We can jump into it. Can you just introduce yourself for us?
0: Sure. Um, I am Christy Johnson, and I was born and raised in the Mormon Church. I was born in Provo, Utah. My dad taught at Brigham Young University for a while. Um, He was with the church education system uh, for decades. And um, so I kind of was raised in kind of, I don't want to say a privileged kind of thing, but you know, when you're raised with your dad being an employee of the church, you kind of get a lot of perks. Yeah. So of course we got to meet with, you know apostles and the prophet and just you know go to meetings and kind of was treated a little bit better so I I kind of grew up like that and I kind of liked it not I thought everybody was like that, <laughs> and um, I learned a, a huge lesson which will come up later but um, coming back or how my position in the church uh, with you know, the things that happened in our family and my dad lost his status Mm -hmm. and our family fell from grace. And uh, when that happened and I became a single mother, um, I'll talk about the change in attitude towards the members. And I came in it from a different different, um, point of view where I had this great life growing up in the church, was very well thought of. You know, and then um, years and decades later, being a single mother struggling, never marrying in the temple, you know, and having this child and being judged by leaders of the church, I experienced the other side of a lot of things that people experience. So it was kind of a full circle. Mm -hmm. So, but um, for the most part, I was very active. You know, I was in all the positions you can think of, you know, in primary and then in Uh, young women's and all the leadership I served as a youth missionary and then um, went on a mission when I was 23 I believe it was it was in 1984 Mm -hmm. and I got called to serve in Chicago so I was very excited about that and of course uh, me going out on a mission um, I always had an idea of what missionaries you know, that they were dedicated. And so I studied all the lessons beforehand. I was very dedicated, was going to keep all the rules. And when I went to the MTC, I absolutely loved it. I loved the cafeteria where everybody got to eat together. I had a cousin who was going to Hong Kong and we would sit and eat together. And I got to know all the missionaries. In fact, they told us that we were not allowed to meet the missionaries, the boy missionaries going to Chicago. And they Mm. said that we had to, we were not allowed to meet them. And I thought that was a very odd thing. So of course my companion was wild and she was from California and so was I. And so she goes, well, let's go meet them. And I'm like, Oh, we'll break the rules. and You know, but we ended up meeting them and they were wonderful. And, you know, we just all ate together and had a blast. And um, I really loved the MTC, And I had very, uh, spiritual experience there that I'll never be able to even begin to deny. Um, that was very incredible. And, uh, and then went out, I think it was five days before Christmas, we flew out to Chicago in a winter storm. And, um, when I got there, um, I had a really good companion, you know, I got off the plane. I got to tell you straight up, here was my first indication, right? So I have this adorable companion who's just smart ass, mm-hmm. right? Right out of the gate, smart alecky. The elders are adorable. They're just handsome as ever. So our flight comes in, there's the mission president, and his wife and the APs, right? Mm-hmm. And so they're, there greeting us as we come off the plane. And so the mission president puts us all together to take this big group picture. Well, all of a sudden, before he was able to snap the picture, these two guys, which we found out were from the Olympic ski team, Uh came over and put their arms around me and my companion that were standing on the end. And they took a picture like they photobombed it. (laughs) The mission president took me aside and reamed my ass, sorry, is it okay to say ass? Yeah,
1: absolutely. We're adults here.
0: Reamed me because he said, you two will never serve as companions in the mission field. And I said, why? And he goes, that was inappropriate. And I said, we didn't do anything. We were photobombed. Yeah. And I knew right away, You know, like we went to the mission home and the next day he interviewed us and he kept asking me, is there anything you need to confess to? Are you sure you don't remember anything? And I was like, no, I'm this really good kid. I didn't do anything. Mm -hmm. And so I met my companion, loved her, went to my new area. What I thought was so bizarre is that all these missionaries all had their own apartments Mm -hmm. And the first mission um, apartment they took me to, we were going to meet the other sisters. When I got there, there was probably 12 elders there in this little apartment and all these sister missionaries and they're having this party. And they're hanging out, eating pizza, everybody's joking, and I'm like, this reminds me of college, hmm. I could dig this, right? And so then there was my companion and then this guy, um, who was in the office area kept trying to get my companion to go in the other room and talk to him, and I was like, "No, we're not allowed to be alone." And somebody went like, "Oh, Sister Johnson's a narc," and I'm like, "What? Why am I a narc? I'm trying to keep the rules." And I was like, all like confused, like, "Why are we all hanging out in an apartment together?" And mm-hmm. it just seemed weird, but I loved it, and everybody was kind and loving. And this one elder called me Sister Raspy or Sister Smutley because when I laughed, I, ta- I laughed like that character, Smutley, the dog with the raspy nah. um, laugh. So that's what I became known as. And I, it was in the middle of winter and loved it. The missionaries were kind. The members were kind. And I just fell in love with my mission and then we got permission because we were in the mission home area or the mission office area and we got permission to have a new year's eve party in the office Mm. and i'm like a greenie right so my companion and i we all go down there and we played cards all night with the elders a bunch of missionaries came in and they had food and We stayed up until four or five in the morning. We did donuts in the mission car out in the parking lot. That's the first time I'd ever learned how to do that for my district leader. And I was like, I love being on a mission. And it was great and it was snowing. And then I remember getting home and then the next morning the mission president called and I heard my companion crying on the phone. And then I had to get on the phone and he said, how dare you break the mission rules and i said i was told we had permission and he goes do you really think i would give permission to party and i said i don't know and he goes well you're a brand new missionary you know the rules and that's no way to start your mission and so i'm bawling right and then we even took pictures that i have till today so i mean it was great so long story short um We just were very social and we shared a car with the the elders. And um, yeah, I had a blast and we got a lot of work done. We placed a lot of Book of Mormons. We taught a lot. For the most part, I really enjoyed my mission. Mm -hmm. There were some things that I did not like. Um, One of the things that they asked us to do was for us to go to the library And to get the newspaper and read the obituaries
1: Uh. and
0: to find out what families died and then find their address in the phone book and then show up and say that we were sent by God. And I said, I will never do that because if we are not going by inspiration, then this is bull and I will not manipulate anyone into the church. And they were like, well, it's not manipulation. I go, yeah, it is. And so I got in trouble because I refused to do that. And there were a few things, times like that that I had to stand up and be like, no, this doesn't feel mm. right. Yeah, that's So ca- that's I ended crazy, up going though. to another mission and uh, being put on probation there and being treated like I had done some sins mm. and was always, you know, being told like, oh, we heard you were making out with a bunch of elders and That's why you got sent here. And I was like, really? Hmm. And so I started my own rumor and uh, wanted to see how fast that would reach the whole mission. And it did. And then I just, the rest of my mission just sat back and it was a really good missionary Hmm. and served my time and came home afterwards. So
1: When they switched you, were you still in Illinois? Did they send you to like a whole new state? No, they sent
0: me to a completely different mission. They sent me to the Minneapolis, Minnesota mission.
1: Oh, wow. Um, yeah. and would you prefer Chicago just overall to that, like environmentally? You know,
0: I don't know. I really love Chicago cause mm. I loved the people there, but the people in Minnesota were really nice and the missionaries in Chicago, the mission were in Minnesota as well, were super kind and loving. And I just really liked them both. And, um, I liked the mission president's wives you know, and it was like night and day with the mission presidents. It was very different. Um, but <clears throat> for the most part, I mean, I had a bad experience in Minnesota where I was very, very ill in the winter time. So we called for, or I got sick, and we called for the zone leaders to come give me a priesthood blessing. Mm-hmm. And before they could put the oil on my head, they looked at me and they said, we cannot give you a blessing because you are not worthy of a blessing. And I'm like, I'm sorry, what? Yeah. And they said, we just feel like you're not worthy of a priesthood blessing. And I said, worthy of a prayer. And I go, who are you to judge me telling me I'm not worthy to be healed from my sickness and get the hell out. Mm. Like I was so upset and my companion was very upset and they left And I called the mission president and he made me drive down to his office 90 miles. And then he never gave me a blessing. He told me to go back and ask the same elders. And I told him no. And then um, I just ended up praying for myself and I eventually was healed. And, but it was things like that, that stayed with me after my Mm -hmm. mission. And I was like, that's pretty messed up, you know? And, but then I also didn't want to blame people because, you know, people are, stupid Mm -hmm. and they can interpret things and say things the way they want but it wouldn't be till years later um after i had been married i never got married in the temple i remember needing help from the church and i went in and met with my bishop and i explained what was going on and he made the rudest comment to me and he said um you know if you had married if you'd gotten married in the temple like you should have years ago, you wouldn't have been in this situation. Mm. And I was so angry. I screamed at him and I said, I will never come back to this church because I see how you guys treated me growing up. And I see how you treat single mothers. And I said, I'm done because I know God loves me, but there's something very wrong with the leadership locally and in Salt Lake City. And so I decided for the first time in my life to take a break from the church. I wasn't immoral. I wasn't doing anything. And then one of my, my youngest sister, Kathy, had already left the church and her and her husband invited me to their church. And I was like, no. And then um, he came to me one night with this cassette tape and he said, you know, I've, I've been really scared to give you this. I know you were told never to listen to anti-Mormon stuff but could you just listen to it? It's good information. And he was so sincere and loving that I said, sure. And I held on to that tape and I finally had got to a point in my life where I got down on my knees and I asked Heavenly Father to help me to understand if there was something on this tape that I was supposed to know, if he could just enlighten me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I said, I don't want to be anti-Mormon, but if something's wrong in the church, can you just let me know? And I was asking sincerely. And so I listened to the tape and it raised some questions about like Brigham Young and Joseph Smith. And I was like, oh, there's no way this stuff is true. So there was a place in town that my sister told me about called Ex-Mormons for Jesus. Mm. And they had this gigantic library of all Mormon published books. And I went in there and I said, I need this book, this book, this book be here. I'm not working right now. I don't want to be bothered. And I said, I am, um, if you'll just leave me alone, I'm going to read. And I spent two weeks every day in there reading and studying about, and this is all church published books
1: mm-hmm.
0: about Brigham Young, Joseph Smith, uh stuff that Hinkley did like when he paid for that um oh, the salamander letter it pro- yeah was proving joseph smith was a fraud mm-hmm. and like he he used the church's money and i said if why would you spend money if you know that joseph is not a fraud why would you spend money trying to pr-? you know what i mean mm-hmm. and it didn't seem right i started saying okay something is not right And it finally, after the whole Brigham Young thing and the stuff that he taught about black people, Mm -hmm. the African-American race and the whole pre-earth, like just so foul and things that Joseph Smith did and how he practiced polygamy and how he lied, Mm -hmm. all the lies. And I was like, and then the truth about why he ended up in jail, you know, and how he ordered the burning down of the the newspaper and like how they were involved in fraudulent, you know, money, laundering, like all this stuff. And I'm like, these guys are bad people. Oh my God, what has happened? Right. And I was completely devastated so much so that I could not talk, like literally lost my voice. And I remember just looking at my sister and she goes, oh no, you got all the information, right? And I go... Yeah. And she goes, are you okay? And I said, Mm-mm. and I remember just feeling my whole world crashing in and not knowing if there was even a God and looking at the world very differently. It's like finding out, I mean, it, it's so hard to describe to people unless they've lived it. And mm-hmm. the only way to know that is if you're a Mormon and when you've found out this stuff, it is so devastating to your life that you look at everything and you're like, I gave every part of my life and soul to this church and you connected it to your salvation, Mm -hmm. you know, and where it has no connection to your salvation, but all the money you donated, you feel foolish. Mm -hmm. I mean, your whole self-esteem, your worth, life is completely different as you know it. And I know that the church does not expect people to make it on the outside. You know, and the only way to truly describe the Mormon church is that it is a cult. Mm -hmm. And I know people don't like that word, but too bad. In reality, if you look at what a cult is and the brainwashing that goes on from the time you're born into it and the songs that you sing and the temple and how fresh members can't go to the temple for a year, I remember going through the first time. And that's when they were still slicing their throat Oh! and they were still like, did you go do it during that time?
1: Uh, No, no, no. I was much later. I went in um, 2011.
0: Okay. Yeah. So it was over with, but Mm. but we had to do the whole slicing of the throat. Did you do the one where you had to be completely naked with that like shield over you that had open sides? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then like, you have to stand in a stall and somebody puts garments on for you. And I'm like... I don't know you like I can put my own on thank you but I remember just feeling like like, I don't like this this feels very it just felt very wrong Mm -hmm. but you know you're you're made to feel that it's beautiful yeah you know and you get to wear the garments so everybody wants to wear the garments and be you know a temple bearing or whatever person Mm -hmm. so you do it Right. And you do that. How many times throughout your life when you're sitting in church and something doesn't make sense and you're like, oh, I don't like that. And they're like, oh, just go on faith. You know, like I had a Sunday school teacher talk about how we chose the trials of our life. Yeah. And that so we can't whine about it. And I'm like, wait a second. I've been through this, this and this. Well, that's because you chose. And I'm like, you cannot tell people that.
1: Yeah. And then but they do. they'll tell you you're, you're strong enough to handle them too, which is why. Yes, you mm. must've
0: been one of God's strong yeah. last days, you know, this group of the promised mm-hmm. and, you know, you start doing things that are kind of against your grain. Like mm. I loved visiting teaching and I loved, you know, helping people. And I loved my callings in Relief Society and Young Women's. I loved working with the youth. You know, but I got real uncomfortable when they started, I don't know, just the little rules for the kids or, you know, certain ways they thought. And I thought, I don't know, this just doesn't feel right. Mm. I feel like we're feeding them full of crap. Yeah, You know, and what happens when they get divorced one day or their family falls apart and it's not this, oh, well, you needed to have more faith and, you know, but I remember As a single mother, my um, my home teachers were the bishop, and in this one were the bishop and his counselor. And I remember my son in the middle of the night got very sick. I mean, his fever was super high, and I took him in my arms and I prayed like I've never prayed in my life for him to be healed. And literally, his fever broke, and he became well. Literally. And I remember just crying and thinking, wow, mother's prayers, right? And faith. And I remember the bishop came over with his his counselor and I was sharing them with sharing with them the story of what I did from in praying for him. And do you know that they reprimanded me and they said, Christy, you do not mess with that. That is for the priesthood to handle. You do not call on the power of God to heal anybody that is not your right. And they, they like called me to repentance mm-hmm. for having a spiritual experience healing my son. Yeah. And I remember sitting back going, What is wrong with you people? I never internalized that. Just like on my mission when I wasn't worthy to have, mm-hmm. a, I was like, What is wrong with you people? Like, I'm a good person. I'm worthy of everything. What is wrong with you? You know? And so I had weird experiences. So when I did leave and I was able to walk away, I kept in mind all these wacky stories, you know? And so I was pretty devastated that the church was not true and it was all full of crap and based on lies. And even after I left, I mean, I tried going back again, you know, because I think at some point people are like, well, maybe I, I just need to go for to, to see my friends and to mm. feel that camaraderie, whatever that word is camaraderie, camaraderie. Yeah, I don't know why I <laughs> that big word, but I missed that. Mm. I missed the singing. I missed my friends. So I remember going back and sitting there going, I can't do this. And no matter how much you miss the church and you miss that, that feeling that you had in church and having friends, you're never, ever the same after you leave. And you can't unlearn the Joseph Smith, the Brigham Young, because it's all based on lies. You know, I still believe in a way in Jesus, Mm -hmm. you know, I do, I want to believe so much that there's a son of God, you know, not all the stuff connected to it. But I, I just, I believe in a God completely because my life has taken me into different parts where I've had huge spiritual experiences where there's no way you can deny that there's not deity out there that created Mm -hmm. this place, you know, and that I'm loved and I'm very well, um, uh, I'm, I know that someone is aware of me and I believe in an afterlife I've lost a lot of family members in the last few years, my mom, my brother, my sister. Um, and I had spiritual experiences when they died, you know, so it's kind of like, I just, I've seen it, a lot of stuff. And if I, if anybody were to ask me where I'm at now, I just feel like I'm on a big spiritual journey mm-hmm. and it, and it changes all the time.
1: hmm
0: but I haven't landed anywhere yet except to know that there's a God that loves me and that I have some kind of purpose here.
1: Yeah. 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 I mean, we're all like whether it's Buddhism or what have you, it seems like since the dawn of time, we're all tapping into something. Like there's some sort of yeah. universal truth in, in every piece. And I think that's why leaving the church hurts so much because there are some bits and pieces that are good. But you know that the these corrupt men have like perverted that truth for greed mm-hmm. over the years. And so it's like, well, I thought I had this ultimate truth. And then so how am I supposed to believe any sort of structure? Because you all might be perverting that thing. Um, so it really does right. have to be kind of a out. personal thing.
0: Yeah, it completely casts doubt on everything. Mm-hmm and you may have a spiritual experience, but that doesn't mean that that person is true, that that church is true. Mm. It means that you're having a spiritual experience with the person that created you. And you, as Mormons, we try to attach it all the time to something. Mm-hmm. It's like people who have it out in nature, they're like, oh, then God must just be nature. And it's like, no, it could be other things too. But everybody wants to place it somewhere.
1: Like it doesn't make them true necessarily. Yeah. But they're kind of tapping like into the church to, that you're mm-hmm.
0: sitting in, like that doesn't mean the Catholic church is true or the Pope, mm-hmm. or, you know, the bishop or, you know. It just, people try to attach it all the time instead of just letting it be mm-hmm. You know, it's just, as a Mormon, I think the number one thing I always had to worry about was being worthy. Yeah. I always felt like I was just as good as my last sin. And no matter what I did, if I forgot to read my scriptures that morning, I was unworthy. Mm. You know, and I was like, I could never do enough. And there was just that constant pressure of pleasing a bishop or constantly worrying if Heavenly Father loved you. And I remember finally realizing how full of crap the church is and part of the healing from it because you have to heal and it takes a long time to heal from that and people don't realize you have to heal from being a Mormon yeah you really do and as t- it takes a long time and as you heal you be- you start to really realize what an incredible human being you are and realize that it's not attached to worthiness, there's no way you'd ever be perfect enough, Mm. but you're perfect just the way you are. And it's like, you should spend all of your life trying to find out what happiness means to you and to like serve people and to travel and to accomplish whatever that looks like for you. Like Mm. none of us have a right to tell anybody what to do with their life what to believe in, tell them what their experiences mean. Who the hell are we to tell people anything? And we're all equal. There's no better group that's coming in from the south of the pre-earth life that was set aside, you know, billions of years before. Oh my God, they covered all their bases Mm -hmm. from pre-earth life to death. Right. Even in the afterlife, you're so worried about getting married in the temple that if you're not, you'll be a servant. And you're like, what are we serving in heaven? What is and why do they need a job in heaven? It doesn't make any sense. But we just accept that, Mm -hmm. you know, like Joseph Smith had people sealed to him as servants. I'm like, what are you doing? Like,
1: stupid stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember um, reading stuff like the that on my mission. The believe. Like, uh, I remember reading stuff like that on the mission because you have so much study time. Just like Joseph Smith saying, like, the same sociality that exists here exists there. And it yeah. sounds very, like, oh, like, reaffirming at the time. And then once you learn all the history, you're like, oh, like, this is really just justifying, like, your sexual escapades and desires, ultimately. Like, really, that's yeah. what it kind of boils down to. Um, yeah. And it's pretty it's, it's pretty crazy.
0: It's weird to know that the church was based off so much weird sexual stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, like, the whole Joseph Smith making a pass at that, that, his friend's daughter, a little girl mm-hmm. you know and and then him going to print the story and then their thing is ordered to be burned and then all of a sudden joseph's arrested and they're like oh no it was just because he was mormon and i'm like why did they leave in the dead of winter in missouri why would you take children and get wagons together now that's where my dad's family comes from mm. We are literally on the ward directory with Joseph Smith, Brigham Young, all the, those dudes Mm -hmm. right in the early first wards. And then after Joseph is killed, they're all in Missouri. Right. And so our great, whoever is a big wig with Brigham Young and he's bringing all these wagon loads in the middle of winter. People are freezing to death and you're like, why are you leaving in the middle of winter? and why are people wanting to kill you why are they wanting to kill your leaders let's take a look at that no one questions that in the church mm-hmm. you know not saying that the mormons were never pro- persecuted they were but they also did a lot of damage yeah. they did a lot of damage and people were up in an uproar you know and if you really study it you find out why yeah you know what i mean but they leave that crap out. Oh
1: yeah, I used to really be into uh, the Pratt brothers, like Orson and Parley. I was yeah. like, "Oh, these guys are oh, powerful, powerful." And then I remember reading a thing like, um, where like Parley, he was martyred, he was killed, like on a mission. And I was like, "Oh my gosh!" And that's his persecution, Mormon persecution. That's what's so horrible. And then I learned that uh, he was actually killed by like the ex-husband of uh, one of his like new wives. And it's like, oh, okay, yeah, we left that part out. Like the guy had a very kind of, you shouldn't murder, but like it's a pretty good reason to like murder a guy. Yeah.
0: Well, it's like Joseph Smith, he sends these guys on missions, right? For however many years, mm-hmm. they come back and he's married their wives and mm-hmm. has their children. And he's like, hey, God told me to marry him. What the hell? What? the hell Mm -hmm. and people don't know this stuff no oh no he was never a polygamist and you're like oh dear god but we were never taught all that and once i found out all that stuff i remember asking my mom because my dad taught church history at byu Mm -hmm. mom did you know this about brigham young and joseph smith and she's like yeah we had to your dad had full, um, access to the vaults in Salt Lake city. And he said he had to know everything in order to teach it. And I'm like, so why didn't you ever teach us kids? And she said, well, why confuse you? Hmm. I'm like, how about lying to us? Like that's such bull crap, you know? And that's the whole thing about the church is it's based on so many lies. And as much as they do good for people, it does not matter what good they do for anybody. They can they can buy out every market and media and be the richest church in the world and do all these great things. But you know what? You're still liars yeah. and you're still based on garbage and you still lie to people. And it's all false, and it's not protecting anybody, and you should be ashamed of yourself. What I don't get, how do grown-ass people join the church?
1: Yeah.
0: How? How did Gladys Knight join the church?
1: I know. I I thought about that a lot. What
0: is that?
1: I could see it being for like... she got a lot of record deals and stuff like a lot of a lot of of cds were released via the church did
0: you know about the pre-earth life like the dark skin like did you skip out on that i don't understand how grown people get baptized in this day and age and go to the temple and not get freaked the hell out Mm -hmm. that you have to wear magic garments underwear now yeah i mean that's some crazy stuff and I don't know how anybody does that now.
1: Yeah. Um, it kind of goes back to what you were, uh, your your mission experience is like really preying on vulnerable people. Um, yeah. Because I remember like getting ready to go out on my mission and going out with the elders. And you always go to, you spend most of your time in the, the poorest side of town. Yep. It's a lot of, lonely older people or just people that single moms single moms people you can tell might have some sort of probably an undiagnosed sort of something going on and they they join but they rarely stay so i guess that's kind of a good thing
0: yeah um, but it the people is that you say because the church they just want there to be these these men Um, And then they want the women to get married right away Mm. to whoever. And, uh, you know, just so they can have a dad in the family and act like the woman can't raise her kids, you know, and then if they need help with food, they have to be worthy of food. Yeah. Are you kidding me? People go, oh, they take care of their own. Do you know what people have to go through in order to ask for food? A lot. Then they have to work at the church farm or they have to work it off. And I'm like, how humiliating
1: mm-hmm.
0: for a mother. And now they they make their members clean their own
1: churches. Yeah, the church buildings, yeah.
0: They have to clean toilets. And do you know that they say it's a blessing?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm like, what is wrong with you? They have billions of dollars. They fired all their custodians because they don't want to pay them. Mm-hmm. So they're making the members scrub their own toilets. Yeah. And they're like, it's a blessing. I'm like, are you that far gone?
1: Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> yeah, I uh, I spent a few months in um, <clears throat> Cape Coast. I served my mission in Ghana, um, and the, one of wow. the main church buildings in Cape Coast, they um, it's right next to like, you know, kind of shack type buildings and stuff. But it's this really nice church building, um, and we would have to track over there sometimes. But when they built the church, they paved. The road all the way up to the entrance of the church, and then they left the rest of the road like just dirt and everything like that. And so you would try to talk to people, and they'd be like, "Oh, you're with uh, the that Mormon church? Like it's kind of messed up. Like why wouldn't you guys just pave the whole road like the Methodist church would do that? Like they would always compare us to other churches, and it's just like because ultimately, yeah, they don't really care like to." offer that real assistance it's all to look good and it's that attracts people in because they think oh the church has money and stuff like that but really not offering anything back at all and so it's like you're making our work a lot harder by by doing stuff like this
0: yeah or don't teach single moms make sure there's a man Mm. you know so we can do families and it's just I just, that's not how Heavenly Father, not the God that I know, not at all. Mm. You could be single, never have a child in your life, and you're still the greatest thing, Mm. creation that's ever walked the earth. You know, And that's what people don't understand is it takes years to heal, but the healing is worth it. And if you don't go nuts, and that's why I tell people, some people get stuck in the anger and the resentment, and it's like, go for it. I mean, they've got every right, right? If you want to be pissed off and angry at the church, then be pissed off and angry at the church. Do it for however long you need to, because you have to work that work that out, yeah. right? Because that takes a lot. Long... I am still angry at the church. And so I've taken these journeys where people go wild and they get into these big sexual, oh, we're going to go ass, you know, butt ass wild. And, mm. and I'm like, well, then that's your journey right now. If that's what you want to do, I don't really care. I don't want to know. Like, do whatever you're going to do. But the thing is, people always seem to kind of come back, bring it in, you know, and they land somewhere. And that's what I think the whole thing with me is I try really hard not to judge people,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: you know, because I see when people first come out and they're devastated yeah, and then they go, oh, there's no God. And then they're very bitter and then they start taking drugs and they're having sex with everybody. And then that that gets old, right? Because... Morality, you need some kind of morals. Mm. You know, so eventually people are like, Okay, well I'm tired of that, you know. And it's like there's have a spiritual experience with God at some point in your life. And and that's all that I encourage people to do, but you have to heal from being a Mormon. People think you don't have to and you do.
1: Yeah, you really do. Um Yeah, it is a lot of baggage. It's a lot of baggage. Um, so as far as healing, like, what do you recommend? Would you recommend people do a lot of talk therapy or replace something with like another belief system like the Buddhism?
0: Yeah, I think it's really up to the individual. What I found the most useful is to join groups Mm -hmm. of ex-Mormons. There's wild ones, there's supportive ones, there's Christian ones, there's Buddhist ones. There's so many different ex Mormon groups out there that, that I don't know if you could still. Oh, there we go. You yep. moved a little bit. Oh, oh there we go. Um, but there's so many different groups. So I think the number one thing is to find other people that are going through exactly what you're going through. Mm-hmm. Don't do it alone. Don't do it alone. And you may find that you're in one group and they sound nutty after a while. And you're like, I'm out of here. And that's okay. Then join another group, mm-hmm. but make sure you're surrounded with people that have your like mind. And you may join several different groups until you finally land just on your own and say, forget it. But I think it's important to know that you're not alone and that when you, then other people need to ask questions that you can be like, yeah, here's my experience. You know, because a lot of people are having trouble with their parents, Mm -hmm. even as adults. There's people that are my age in their fifties that are scared to tell their parents that they left the church. They're 50. And I'm like, that's so sad that parents have such anybody, you know, but that's. It's just all part of it. Mm -hmm. So I just say, find as many friends as you can in the ex-Mormon group. You're going to join several. You're going to go through different journeys. You know, who knows? But just go through the journeys and let yourself live every moment. Enjoy it. There's no right or wrong. And you will land someday. If you seek your higher power, you will land somewhere. And that will only look like what it's going to look like when you get there. Mm -hmm. there's no rules. Mm
1: -hmm. So as you've, uh, kind of gone through this years long journey, like, is there anything looking back that you would do differently?
0: Um, yeah, I think I wouldn't join churches Mm. where I would, because people step out of the Mormons and I'm telling you a lot of these, and I hate to put down I, I hate to say Christians, but there are some Christian churches that are very fanatical. And there's pastors that lie in wait, waiting for more leave, and then they jump on them. And then they want them to join their church, and they want them to get really radical in the Bible. And mm-hmm. it's like from jumping from this radical to another radical. And I think if I could have avoided like watching that happen, like, this must be the true church now. And I want, wanted to land in a church so badly of truth that I was willing to put it all into another church. And in reality, there's bad people in that church. The pastor was sleeping with some guy's wife, you know, his wife was off to, and I'm like, what is happening? You know, does nobody just go to church anymore? And why is there a band up there playing with the drum? Like I was like, what is happening? No one's loving God. And then it's like, yeah, he does it by playing the drums. You know what I mean? Like there was so much judgment. And I think the number one thing you leave with besides being devastated is you don't realize how judgmental you are Mm. of other people. I mean, the slightest stuff like, oh, really? And I'm like, Christy, what the hell? (laughs) I was judgmental and I still catch myself acting like that. Mm -hmm. And I go, I don't know if that's white privilege, if that's Mormon privilege. I don't know what that is, but I have to work at it every single day because that is a part of me that I am ashamed of. And I have to work on it every day. But if I could change anything, I would not jump into other churches Mm -hmm. and I would relax and not panic
1: Mm -hmm. yeah i think that's that's really good advice like you you have to keep yourself occupied for sure so much of the church demands so much of your time Uh, yeah and then once that's gone you can just feel sort of listless and purposeless yeah
0: Like, what do I do now? Do I go volunteer my time? Mm -hmm. If you want to, if you don't want to, no one's going to care. It's always great to give back and serve. And I think that's where we find most of our accolades in life by giving back to people. But if you don't, it doesn't mean anything, Mm -hmm. you know, but you find out like, should I go serve somewhere? Should I not be doing something? Should I work for the home? Like, Mm -hmm it's very, it is scary and you have all this time on your hands and you start feeling guilty. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause I was always like, should I be doing something? And it's like, and I didn't even know what my favorite color was. Mm-hmm. Literally. I knew I liked a couple things, but I was like, do I like art? Do, do I like going to museums? Yeah. Like, should I go back to school? Um, should I go for that? Or should I, pick a guy that's kind of wild like I've kind of like that kind of guy but it's weird because you literally almost have to give yourself permission to not be defined by literally anything and don't panic about it like don't worry about dying dying's beautiful I've seen three people do it Mm -hmm. been with people my mom walked her through the whole thing, watched her leave this world. Um, it's a very spiritual experience, nothing to be afraid of. And I think people's worst fear is dying, mm-hmm. truly. And if you can make peace with that, then you can start living and being like, what do I like? Mm-hmm. What music do I like? Yeah. But it's all about being kind to yourself. Yeah. That's it. That's the number one thing is to be kind and loving towards yourself Mm -hmm. above everyone else in your world. Make sure you're kind to yourself Mm -hmm. and don't be hard on yourself.
1: Yeah. And you really got to learn to listen to your body too. I've learned Uh, over the years Um, because kind of what you were talking about, like you, it's such a pendulum swing, you go from one extreme to the other, Uh and like just recently, I was having, um, I was out for brunch, I was having a cup of coffee, like a black coffee, and then I finished the coffee, and I was like, you know what, I don't think I like the way this even makes my body feel, like why do I keep drinking coffee, like I just assume I have to with breakfast or something, And and it's like, maybe you really don't even enjoy coffee. And then that's okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just yeah. whatever you're doing is okay as long as it's true to you.
0: Yep. Mm. Yeah, that's so true. Because people, I remember drinking coffee the, for the first time going, I don't know what the big hype is. Mm. Like, that's disgusting. <laughs> of course, that was prior to Starbucks. days. Yeah. Now I love it. But yeah, listening to your body, enjoying your body, mm-hmm. like literally what is your sexuality mm-hmm. people don't know you know it's all black and white in the church church and so you know man woman when it's just ridiculous like who the hell are we mm-hmm. to tell anybody what's right and wrong yeah like why can't you love a man and be a man mm-hmm. and get married and have the same rights so it's just the longer I was out person I became and I I like me I'm not perfect but I like me yeah
1: yeah and that's that's a good place to be at
0: yeah it's a really good place to be at by any means Mm -hmm. because I can go nutty but uh, yeah I like who I am now as far as judging other people Mm -hmm. and I still have to remind myself you're being a little judgmental and I may be thinking it only but man Boy, mm-hmm. that's the one thing Mormons judge,
1: yeah, oh. yeah, but that uh, that self awareness is good to have like if you're if you're gonna become your authentic self, like you have to be able to look within yourself for sure, like if you don't have that introspection, you're never really gonna to really grow into the fullness of what you're capable of, like in my opinion yep. um yeah, so Don't be so hard on yourself. It's
0: okay for people to be people. Mm -hmm. There are no rules dictating to what we have to do with our lives, who we get to love, or anything like that. It's not up to us. Mm -hmm. And there's a higher power that doesn't give a crap who you sleep with and how many times you sleep with them. Just be safe. Use safety. But no one should care. Literally, it's Mm. their choice, their life. And as long as you're not hurting anyone and it's all consensual, and I'm talking about adults, not Mm. weird people, but people need to just let people be themselves. And that gives you permission to really find out who you are too and Mm. say, I need to find out who I am outside the Mormon church and outside that lens because that lens is so horrible. Yeah.
1: Well, is there anything, Christy, that I haven't asked you that you wanted to speak on?
0: No, I think it was good. I think we covered a lot.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we're about... That was
0: good. I like that you have this show because I think people need to um, really talk about it. And there's a lot of different podcasts and people try to share certain things, but when it's intimate like this... Mm And it's one-on-one, and I think it's really important because everybody has their own story. Yeah. But I'll help promote your show on my page if you want. Yeah,
1: I'd appreciate it. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: So, um, yeah. But this is great. I love talking about it.
1: Yeah. yeah, I'm glad. Uh, I hope it was beneficial in some way, despite the crazy technical difficulties we were having. uh... there we go
0: yeah it was very beneficial for me I I looked forward to it I love talking about my mission don't ever have a lot of time to talk about it Mm -hmm. Um, especially because I've been out for so long but um, it's nice so let me know when it's going to be on and I can promote it on my page
1: yeah absolutely yeah I'll definitely do that well, uh, it's getting a little late in my neck of the woods, so okay. I'll let you go, Christy, but I did enjoy this. And, um, yeah, me too. Yeah, if you ever want to do a 2.0 at some point in the future, I'd love to have you back on.
0: All right. Sounds great. Thank you so right, much.
1: Thank you. Have All a good right.
0: one. Bye. You too. Bye. Focal Point Podcast for the Focal Point Cinema and Sound Company.